Hey friends, welcome to Wednesday's episode of Enough for Today, and I'm in studio again with Morris Gleiser, who is our guest this week at Emmanuel, and preached for us on Sunday, and we're sharing this, this is the first time I've ever done this. I know. I kind of like this. It's kind of intimidating. Why is it intimidating? Sitting beside this <laughs> well-known author, communicator, musician. I'm a loser, man. Wait a minute, I haven't gone through the list. <laughs> All the things that you can do, I'm intimidated uh, by your nuts. presence. Uh, I just want to be like you when I grow up. Yeah, I just want to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable <laughs> where we're going here. I think you had a little too much Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> never, never too much of Diet Dr. Pepper. Never. Oh, um, well, you can tell Morris and I have a good time when we sit together. We, If we actually served in ministry together, <laughs> we would get nothing. Nothing? Done. Not a thing. We'd have a good time. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, we would have a lot of fun, fun. but we would get absolutely nothing (laughs) Nothing done. done. Nothing done. No, absolutely. But, uh, you know, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord. Absolutely. In fact, it comes up in the next verse to be joyful in the Lord. And here we are laughing, and we're talking about this miserable psalm. Yep. Is it it truly a miserable psalm? Well, it sounds miserable. We're Mm. in Psalm... 35, and we have come through verses 1 through 8, and David's running, likely running from Saul, and uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, he is fearing for his life. He's supposed to be the next king of Israel. God's promised it, but the the present king Saul is literally trying to kill him. He's chasing him like a dog, and David is hiding out in caves and, and, and narrow escapes, and I mean, he just feels like at any moment he could be stepping around a corner or around a rock or, I mean, come into a trap. Uh, this this is a skilled enemy with a skilled army that's after David, and he's casting all of his dependence on God, and he's begging God to confound, to confuse, and bring divine disruption to his enemy. And and um, and then we come to the end of verses 7 and 8 where David says, God, you, you uh, let my enemy fall into his own trap. And into his own destruction. And then verses 9 and 10. And I I left off yesterday with a question with Morris. We're going to answer that question in a minute. And that question was, have you ever been delivered from injustice, Mm. uh, from a situation of injustice? Well, David says, and my soul. So as a result of God's deliverance, and here's the beautiful part of this psalm. David knows by faith, based on the promise of God, he's going to be delivered. That's great. So he, it's a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. In other words, he's praying out of assurance. Mm-hmm. He, he's not praying like, oh, I hope this will happen. He knows it's going to happen. Right. Uh, he's, he's praying it'll come sooner than later, I think. Sure. You know, he wants to stop running. But now we get a sense of the other view, this, the assurance of his heart and my soul. Now, by faith, hoping in the promises of God, he knows that his soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, I mean, it's going to permeate Mm. his whole being. Mm. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which deliverest the poor from him that is too strong for him. Yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. So Morris, has God ever had you in a moment where you were overpowered? by injustice, and he delivered you. Yes, absolutely. I know you could speak of the same subject at hand. If I can just 
preface my comments by what you just read there in verse 9. My soul shall be joyful. Just like you said, he knew this is going to happen. I've counseled people, maybe you have, I'm sure you have as well, and told them as they were going through an extreme, tragic, uh, difficult uh, attack from somebody or or some situation that was relentless and it was like I'm never. They're, they're thinking I'll never get out of this. I've told them there's going to be a day you're going to look back on these troublesome days and you're going to say I learned things from that experience that I carry with me for the re- I will carry the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And you're going to sing praises. You're going to be joyful again. I promise you. You're going to look back and say I got through that by God's strength, His grace. And so that is, those are great verses from David. I love that. He, he recognized by faith, I'm going to sing again. I'm mm-hmm. going to be joyful. God's going to take care of me. Yes, sir. I, 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 a few injustices come to my mind. I think the thing that has quickly come to my mind is a situation that happened in my, and, and again, I'll be careful how I word it, but in my very first ministry, my very first youth ministry, I was just a just a young pup right out of college and was trying to uh, help teenagers and so forth. And I, I came in. I didn't know what I was doing, but I tried to act like I did. And, um, and, and some of the parents were expecting a certain type of youth student pastor, and I didn't meet their particular standard. And... Uh, and again, trying to be careful with the details, there was, uh, there was one particular strong voice, not the only voice, but one particular strong voice who had three teenagers himself in my youth ministry, in our church's youth ministry, who became very vocal against me, was opposed to anything I ever did, and began to verbalize it and spread it throughout the church. Here I am in my early 20s, and then on top of that, the pastor who had called me to serve under him, the senior pastor, I'd been there six months, not long enough to hard to get unpacked, and he resigned the church and left and took another church somewhere else. And so I was like a man without direction. Our church was like a church with, without leadership except the few pastors on staff and deacons' leadership, of course, and so the voices of anger rose with greater volume because there was no pastor to calm the storm. And um, I, uh, I never wanted to get out of a place so bad in all my life. During the following six to seven months, we were without a pastor. We were on a pastor search mode. And so frequently, I was called upon by the deacons to fill the pulpit on a Sunday until they found a, a new pastor. Well, again, I'm just a young pup. I, there were so many things I didn't know how to preach, and my delivery was horrific and everything. I mean, I, I wouldn't have enjoyed listening to me preach either. And I can remember <laughs> standing up to preach, and uh, this one particular man, when he saw that I was going to preach, stood up. He, he went through the entire song service, all the announcements, everything. But when I got up to preach, because nobody ever knew who was going to preach. When I stood to preach, he stood up with an abruptness, looked back at his family, told them to stand up with him. Uh, this was a leader in the church, and they all stood up with him, three teenagers, and they marched out the door. They made so much noise, everybody turned and saw it. 
I remember thinking, I, I remember thinking, if you'll wait up, I'll go with you. I, I don't want to be here either, you know. But it was obviously a statement that he was opposed to me, and he was simply saying, if he's going to preach, I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to let my family stay here. That was hard. And I asked the Lord to get me out of there. I felt like I, I was in a trap. I mean, I said, Lord, get me out. I didn't even completed a year, just a few months in. I said, Lord, let something else open up. Get me out of here. And uh, two deacons with no knowledge that I'd prayed that prayer pulled me off to the side one Sunday night, and they said, point blank, they said, don't you be thinking about leaving. And I said, what do you mean by that? They said, we can only imagine how much you must be hurting. We're in your corner. We're for you. Don't you think about leaving. We're going to get a new pastor. You're going to be fine. And I remember saying, when are you going to get a new pastor? Because we were dying as a church. We needed one. They said, well, in God's time. The rest of the story, I hesitate to tell the rest, but I will. Um, that particular family, that man, left the church. Come to find out he had already caused a ruckus in a previous church, a church split. He was striving to make a, a problem in our church and was causing problems. There were voices all over in disarray. He went elsewhere and began to disturb a third church, as far as I know, the third church that he was causing problems. And I remember the day I got a phone call the following year. A pastor friend of mine called and he said, you, you, you remember, you, you know that man that you had problems with at your first church? And I said, oh, man, yeah. He said he just fell over a heart attack in his, um, in his house. He was in his 30s. And mm. I don't know. Did God take him? I don't know. But the man, God took him well, yeah, but as a result of yeah, the reasons. The don't reasons know. behind I don't. That's in God's hands. I wasn't, back in my situation, I was too scared to know how to fight. I didn't know how to seek revenge. I hopefully did what David did here in Psalm 35. I just cried out to God and I said, plead my cause. Lord, help me in this situation. I don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was wanting to get out of there. And lo and behold, the Lord kept me there for 14 years. And mm. uh, But he cleaned things up and he, he vindicated my desire to do the right thing while I was there. Now that I, I made tons of mistakes, and uh, there there were people who had to probably come talk to me about things that could have been done differently, and I appreciated it. But you know, those who were in seeking to hurt, God takes care of them. Mm -hmm. God deals with them. And again, we could talk about other situations of people who had who attacked us through the years and. Uh, and some of which we probably deserve some of the the problems that we caused on our own, mm -hmm. but the way in which it was handled was not right. And so I felt like what David is saying here in Psalm 35, that without cause they have gone after me and set a net for me and tried to catch, it, catch me and put me in a dark and slippery way. God, please, I don't know what to do. You take care of them. Mm -hmm. Close their mouths. I don't want to get into a social media war with mm. them and go back and forth and back and forth they're in your hands god yeah. you take care that's the only way to live yeah and that's um that's an awesome way to live it is 
So, my friend, um, we have been challenged, first by David and the psalm, and secondly uh, by Morris. But uh, we leave you this thought. Your soul shall be joyful. You will sing again. Uh, But keep your eyes on him. Put the whole situation in his hands. And let him bring about his vindication, his justice. Let him plead your cause, his way, and his timing. Hey, happy Wednesday, and we'll see you tomorrow.